2: the oklahoma city thunder make another trade for a future first round pick are the memes warranted plus we're gonna dive into kobe Bufkin's nba draft profile you are locked on thunder your daily oklahoma city thunder podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast. On the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, and editor in chief over at thunderousintentions.com. Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LO Thunderpod. Email the show, Pod at gmo.com. On today's show, we are diving into another NBA draft profile and prediction on Kobe Bufkin. Is his ceiling high enough? Does he do enough things at an elite level? And what's his range in this draft? But first, we're going to dive into our first trade of the offseason. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends over at Bird Dogs. Go to BirdDogs.com lockdown NBA, where you can enter the code lockdown NBA for a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. Uh, they're great, they're awesome. But this trade, let's dive into it. So, It was announced moments ago that the Oklahoma City Thunder are trading with the Denver Nuggets just before the NBA Finals Game 4 tips off. The Thunder will be sending out their least favorable of their 2024 first-round picks, the 37th overall pick in this year's draft, and a second-round pick in 2024 to get back a 2029 first-round pick. So the Thunder will give up whatever first-round pick in 2024 of their own, of the Clippers, of the Utah Jazz uh, pick ends up being their worst, along with uh, the Rockets, of course, but the Rockets has some protections on it that they may or may not have. Nonetheless, of those four teams, so Rockets, Jazz, Thunder, Clippers, of those four teams, whichever pick ends up being uh, the – the lowest of like, say, 1 to 10, whichever one ends up being 10, would be going to Denver uh, for, for this transaction. Obviously, it can be 1 through 30. Uh, so if 1 through 30, whichever one ends up closest to 30 will go to Denver. And Denver gives up the 2029 20, pick. Now, here's the thing. The Thunder also owned Denver's 2027 20, first-round pick, which is top five protected, which means if Denver's wheels fell off and in 2025 they picked in the top five, that pick wouldn't convey until 2028, which would then mean that Denver will be trading picks in back-to-back years, so maybe they've somehow worked out the protections to where the 2027 pick no longer has any protections on it at all, because Woj did say that this pick uh, does have protections on it. We just don't know what the protections are yet, so stay tuned for that language on that. But the bottom line is, now in this draft class, in 2023, the Thunder owned the 12th pick and the 50th pick. The biggest takeaway in the immediate future is that there is no more roster crunch and that this move kind of signals, I think, that the Thunder really like their roster. You know, you, you have where now pick 12 would slide into the slot that Sarich leaves behind as he enters free agency. Pick 50 will go on one of the three two-way deals in which you have all three available. And now no one is cut from the roster, uh, which isn't that big of a deal because they they had options, right? But it is a big deal for Trey Mann and Lindy Waters and Jeremiah Robinson Earl in a vacuum for their own personal, you know, success and gain. Uh, but uh, the, the roster crunch for the immediate future is now gone. Uh, the Thunder can can easily just uh, fill in with these draft picks now. The Thunder also pulled off trading their worst pick in the worst draft class to Denver in return for a pick in the 2029 draft class. Whenever Denver's core is going to be absolutely done, like like they're not going to have this core intact in 2029. Whenever you kind of talk about the thunder, it's easy to talk about, you know, oh, they just love future first round picks. They, they keep acquiring them for all that talk. The thunder were on the cusp of losing five first-round picks by next year's draft because you'd lose this year's 12th overall pick by way of drafting them. And then next year, you'd then sacrifice those four first-round picks, utilize those four first-round picks. Now they've kicked the can down the road to elongate their window of assets to give them more flexibility in order to be able to make moves, either moving up draft boards, trading for an already proven star, whatever the case is, That you have that flexibility moving forward. And, and it cannot be stressed enough that when you peel this curtain back one by one, let's start with do the thunder of too many first round picks. No, you, you cannot have too much money. There's no situation in the world where you would say, I wish I didn't have this much money in my bank account. I wish I had less money in my bank account. You would never say that. You would never go check your banking app and say, I wish there was less money in here. That's the same thing as first-round picks. They are currency. They, they can buy you uh, players. They can buy you prospects. They can buy you a loophole and a way out of a bad contract. They can do a ton of things. It's literally money. So you can't have too many first-round picks. Also, the Thunder now have pushed their assets in the future when they're more likely going to need them. And this new CBA makes it to where first-round picks are incredibly important. And the Thunder, all they had to do was give up two second-round picks, And um, their least favorable pick of the worst draft class we've seen in a long time, according to all the experts. And they still have three first round picks next year to, to deal with either by selecting three players or by moving them in various deals. Trading pick 37. I like, I like the value at pick 37. I like the players in this draft. I really do. If the Thunder feel that same way, they can just go back and buy a pick in the low 30s. I promise you they can literally buy one by either taking back a terrible contract uh, for the sake of getting a pick in the low 30s or by overwhelming a team with future second-round picks. Either way, they can get a pick in the low 30s if they really agree that this second-round pick uh, provides some value and the second-round range provides some value. And I think that while you can never have too many first-round picks, uh, the Thunder now have multiple first-round picks in each draft from now until 2029. With the new CBA, that is a must to help you fill out the roster. As you hit that second apron, you have to be able to have first-round picks at your disposal because you lose other mechanisms to, to grant you, you know, picks and you know, and, and especially players via exceptions and things like that. You lose some of those as you hit that second apron. What I think that this trade does. I think that this trade signals a few things. Number one, the Thunder absolutely believe in this core. And I think that you make this trade because you believe in this core and you believe that you're going to have to hit that second apron. And it, and that I think that ownership is comfortable paying that kind of money. Whenever you do pay that kind of money, though, the rest of your roster is made up upon cost-controlled assets like first-round picks. And so that's why these are important. These are important picks to have and to accumulate and to have down the road. Not right now, whenever you're not paying these guys yet, but down the road once you are paying these guys. It also creates flexibility. As I said, multiple first-round picks from now until 2029 means you can take a cost-controlled player, but also you can use a first-round pick to trade for an already proven NBA player, or to trade up the NBA draft board, or look at Dallas. Like, imagine Dallas, who has Luka, who has Kyrie, who who went to the Western Conference Finals last year, and and they feel this pressure to win, they feel this this, this need to win. Imagine if they had an extra first-round pick where they could not only use pick 10 to make their team better, but they could use pick 20 to get off of Davis Bretons to get off of Tim Hardaway Jr. or whatever big contract they want to get off of. They would kill for that flexibility, which again, you're never going to point to your bank account and say, I do not want this money. You're going to say, give me more. I need more. Dallas needs more. Other teams need more and have needed more throughout the course of history in team building. You cannot have too much. So, so it says that they believe in this team in the future or once they're hitting that second apron, once they're paying a ton of, of money, they're going to need these cost-controlled assets. I think it also says we believe in this team in the present. Trey Mann, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, Lindy Waters, they now enter a summer with a lot less pressure. If you—if they would have kept 12, 37, and 50, somebody's got to go, because 12 would fit in with where Sarge leaves offshore, and 50 would be a two-way deal, sure. But that pick 37 would need to go somewhere, and that means you've got to lose someone. And of this roster, there's there's X amount of players who we know wouldn't even be in the conversation. There's also players we thought would be in the conversation. Now they can take a step back, they can breathe, and they can go on with this summer with that belief. And I think that it's mainly rested upon Lindy Waters. Because Lindy Waters, not only did you not invest a a first-round pick or a high-second-round pick, in in Jerry's case, into Lindy Waters, but he is the easiest to waive mechanically all you got to do is decline his club option. That's it. Just decline the club option and you're, and he's off your books and it's over with. That was the easiest pathway to create a roster spot. Had you picked at pick 37, as of this moment without a a second round pick that's going to warrant a standard contract. You can pick up that option and move forward and, and sort of put your money where your mouth is a little bit for an organization that has continued to preach their belief in Lindy waters. So, uh, at least for this upcoming season, it, it looks good for those three guys. Whenever at one point in this offseason, it was a bit shaky. I know it's easy to make the the jokes. I know it's easy to, to fall into this trap or, or lack of patience with I want the the gratification right now. I want the the big splash right now. Why are they kicking the can down the road? Why are they doing this? I I truly and honestly believe there's a method to their madness of why they're doing this, and it's because they believe that this team is, is good enough. And this trade takes nothing off the table but gains you an extra seat at the table. The Thunder still have enough assets to trade up in the draft in two weeks. The Thunder still have enough assets to trade for a proven NBA player. The Thunder still have enough assets to do whatever they want to do this summer with their top five in the league cap space while also gaining an asset down the line when they're desperately going to need it. I think that we're going to see real soon just how important this is. And for Denver, they get a couple second round picks. You know, th- they get three picks in the immediate future as they're trying to win championships. They get pick 37 and, and they trust their scouting department. They trust that in this deep draft class with all that value that we just talked about, that they can find the right one at pick 37 uh, to go get and help their core. They get a first round pick next year, an additional one for all the reasons we just explained of why contending teams need one. And then they also get a second round pick next year. This is great for Denver. It's also great for Oklahoma city. And it also does not, does not prevent the thunder from doing anything, whatever visions, hopes and dreams that you had for the thunder yesterday, you still have today. this core is not only going to be good next year, but it's going to be so good that it'll be one that you have to pay. And, and, and in the new CBA, you have to lock yourself into and, and and figure out ways to build around, which would be great. That would mean that all four of them, either for Shea, you know, continues to be a max contract player, but, but the three of them grow into max contracts and, and grow into uh, that kind of player where you're going to pay them high dollar, you know, just under the max or the absolute max and continue to work so th- th- i think that this is a great trade it- it's it's not a sexy trade it's not like trading up for pick five right now but who knows what denver's going to be in pick 29 and even besides the the cost of building a team with a new cba forgetting the financial stuff of it forgetting um picking a player at pick 29 if you go this off season or next off season, you know more applicably next off season. Whenever you know what Chet looks like, you know kind of what the, the efficiencies are with a team built around Shea, Giddy, Dub, Chet, these guys. You more so have a cleaner picture of that next off season. Next off season, you walk into the room, in, and I assume that most of these are done on the phone call. So you pick up the phone, and if I told you, "Hey, I can offer you this pick." in 2024 because remember they're only losing one first round pick in 2024 I can offer you this pick in 2024 let's just pick a team and say it's the Clippers pick at pick 21 in a terrible draft class hey I can offer you pick 21 in a terrible draft class and I want fill in the blank player who you think is just an amazing fit for OKC they're going to say no because the 2024 draft class is terrible that is not appealing that is not appetizing to take on in trades now same situation. Pick up the phone. You call up Nico Harrison down in Dallas. Say, listen, you know, things aren't going right. Luca wants out. I'll give you this, 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 and the 2029 Denver pick. And listen to me, Nico, by 2029, Denver's going to be terrible and you're going to get a great pick. That sounds a lot more appetizing than the 20th overall pick from the Clippers in a draft that we all think is terrible. So there's literally no way in which this is a bad thing. You have only increased your value of your assets by time, by place, by opportunity. It works in a better time window for your rebuild. It gives you a better opportunity to use via trade because it is much better value than your worst pick in the worst draft we've seen in a very long time, according to all the experts. Let's not forget about that. We can't spend all year talking about how the Thunder have to trade their 2024 picks because that draft class is awful. And then we get to the point where they do trade a a first-round pick in the 2024 class and say, well, why'd they do that? Now, no one knows what that 2029 class has to offer. That's not the point of the value. The value is I can call someone up and say, look, Denver, Denver, 2029, gonna be terrible. Top 10 pick. It could be anything. It could be anything. And get back whatever it is that your, that your heart desires. This is a massive one for OKC. This is an opportunity for Denver to, to improve their team in the immediate future, which they need. This is a win-win trade for both sides, but specifically for OKC, I don't see how you can ever, you know, find a bad thing about it. Because anything you wanted them to do yesterday, they can do today with this trade, only better. Sam Presti seems to have done it again with what he's pulled off in this draft. What you can do and pull off is go to Bird Dogs because Bird Dogs is incredible, and you can go to BirdDogs.com/slash/lockedinNBA. What is Bird Dogs? Bird Dogs is the fashion of the future and the present. Like right now, it's the, it's the fashion of the times right now because it's the Thunder of fashion. With bird dogs, they're these brilliantly comfortable shorts, but they're versatile. So not only do they get the job done, they're versatile. You can wear your bird dogs and go into a business meeting and feel right at home, feel comfortable, get compliments, look professional. You can then leave that business meeting, go to the basketball court, play some hoops and feel comfortable, have enough flexibility, have enough stretch and enough give to drop a triple double mess around and drop a triple double on a Wednesday afternoon after a business meeting. This is incredible. This is awesome. Go to bird dogs right now and check them out today. Go to, to birddogscom slash locked in MBA. And when you do, you not only are going to get these incredible shorts and they're even making polos, but you're also, you're also going to get an incredible Yeti style tumbler from bird dogs, which I promise you, you're going to want, I use it every day. To drink my coffee, it keeps my coffee so so warm. So check it out today by going to birddogs.com dot com slash lockedonnba. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day here talking about the Thunder trade and now Kobe Bufkin. So again, I think that we've we've covered the trade aspect of this. Let's move into Kobe Bufkin's NBA draft profile. Kobe Bufkin stands 6'4, 197, 6'8 wingspan, 19 years old at the draft out of Michigan University. Really good and does a lot of great stuff. I mean, I mean, this guy can do a lot, but is he elite at anything? That's the big question around him right now. And and kind of what is teetering his, his draft stock of like, is he a Top 10 guy, top 12 guy, or is he a you know 14 to 25 guy? What what is he? For me, I really like his ability to be a point of attack defender in the future. You know, there's some questions about like would he get pushed, pushed around too much at the NBA level? Can you put on some some more strength and some more weight to him? I think that you can in the NBA, like with an NBA program, you can get that done. So I like his on ball defense a lot. I love his rim finishing. He can do it either side, either hand with those floaters, the runners, and, and he's just a springy guy at the rim, so I love that. I like that most of the time he's a very collective playmaker and and kind of in-control playmaker, really good passer, really high motor, really high effort, and he's versatile on both ends. Like These are all really good things. My weaknesses for Bufkin, again – You got to make sure that you put on the muscles and the weight and everything, because I think that he could get pushed around as a rookie. And how long does that last? But sometimes he goes a little bit out of control, like uh, whenever he's kind of tasked with scoring off the dribble, gets a little rushed, but that's not uncommon for a young guard. Uh, And it's not as though that happens every single time to the floor. So I I don't uh, want to hold that against him too much. And then. The swing is going to be how good of a shooter can he become? Like, he made significant strides this year as a shooter. Where does that level off at? Like, where does that even out at? Um, and, and how much improvement is there left to go in that jump shot, which ended up at like 35% from three uh, this season? How much better can he get? Um, and, and then, is there any regression from this burst that he had, you know, a little bit of a burst that he had this season? He worked out with SGA and I think Chet Holmgren this offseason because in the picture, in the background, Chet Holmgren it appeared was back there. Um, you, you could tell by his shoes and his legs in the picture. But for sure, uh, SGA this offseason. He is a a fan favorite of Andrew selective down the dunk. So for Andrew's sake, I would be I would be celebrating in Thunder Ion if this was the selection. I'd be texting him. I think that he'll be at the draft. I'll be texting him. Congratulations, this would be a massive win, so I hope this happens for, for Andrew. Uh, synergy, some good stuff, good stuff. 79th percentile in overall offense, 81st percentile in transition, 73rd percentile in half-court offense, 72nd percentile in pick-and-roll uh, ball handler, 59th percentile uh, as a spot-up shooter, 86th percentile on handoffs, 84th percentile in isolation, 85th percentile on cuts, uh, catch-and-shoot numbers, 36%. Uh, Off the dribble, also 36%. Incredible at the rim. 92nd percentile at the rim, uh, shooting 71% at the cup. Love that for him around the ring. Offense, uh, Defensively, overall, 58th percentile, 64th percentile in uh, defending the pick and roll, 85th percentile in defending post-ups, 55th percentile in defending isolation, 59th percentile in defending the rim. So, some encouraging things on both sides of the ball. You see why he's versatile. I think that his elite trait is his ability to score at the rim. Uh, I think that he is someone who is a a safe bet, like is a player where I don't think that his ceiling is like this starting level um elite guard, but I think that is that his ceiling is a fantastic rotational guard that he can get you some spot starts. like can, can get you over uh, the hump in terms of like, if you suffer an injury, um, if you, if you have a deficient roster for, for a time during his career, whatever, but, you would more, feel more comfortable with him being a guy that certain matchups, you know, he can start most of the time, Comes off the bench, lead your second unit and just helps you pass the baton around to get you through 48 minutes and get you a win. So I think that will be, he'll be vital to winning in his career. Uh, but again, the, the, the low ceiling might be a deterrent for some people in the draft. Here's where he's projected to go. The ringer has him at 14 ESPN at 16 athletic at 11. Bleacher Report at 13, CBS at 13, Sports Illustrated at 16, DraftNet at 12, Tankathon at 16, I have him at 15, Mavs Draft has him at 13. So when I look at Kobe Bufkin, I cannot help but wonder, are we overthinking it with Kobe Bufkin? Like, are are we trying to find this perfect player that has this and mint ceiling and and could be a superstar, whenever in reality, why not take the guy who's putting who's put enough on film that f- makes you feel confident will be a really good NBA player and will be someone who can help you not only now but in the future. You know, I I look at situations like you know, Tyrese Maxey, who of course is the Kentucky guy that it happens all the time with Tyrese Maxey guys like that that, that fall down the board for Kentucky for whatever reason but like Tyrese Maxey like he goes in the 20s and you redraft it and he's going to shoot up draft boards and he's going to be a fantastic get for for the Sixers and and really important for them uh, at the 21st overall pick so I, I think that we could fall, that, fall into that same fate with Buffkin not that he'd fall to 20, 21 or anything like that but I think that that you could look back and say, yeah, they tried They tried a little bit too much or overthought this a little bit too much whenever we know he's going to be a good guard in the NBA. That could be a, a thing with Kobe Buffkin. Coming up, how does he fit with the Thunder on this roster? What does it do to impact the rotation? And what does it look like next year and beyond? But first, I want to tell you right now, better good friends over at FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash right now because you can bet on Game 4 of the NBA Finals. That's right. The NBA Finals is all there for you. You've got Denver. You've got Miami on the road. Denver's a three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road to Miami tonight. Uh, are they going to get the win in this game? You can also bet on Jokic to record a triple-double against Miami. That is a plus 270 to happen. So go check that out today by going to fan.com slash locked on because FanDuel is the official sports book of not only the NBA, but locked on. And when you do, and you're a new customer, you can get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets. If your first bet does not win, check it out today because you're going to love it. Fandu.com slash locked on slash
3: TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund, guaranteed. So, switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guaranteed details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live.
2: We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LO We are dashing our way to the NBA draft. You're gonna get a podcast Monday through Sunday through the draft. So some bonus pods uh, throughout the next couple of weekends as we get to the draft. Usually we're here for you though Monday through Friday, even in the offseason. So subscribe anywhere you get your podcast from, including on YouTube. And also follow on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles. So the trade with the Nuggets we've recapped that Kobe Bufkin's overall generalities we've done that how does he fit with the thunder i think his ceiling fit with the thunder like if, even if he had a ceiling he would just be their incredible sixth man and, and what he you know does he have the personality and the and the and the want to do that his whole career i don't know we'll see hopefully he would uh, but the incredible you know orchestrator of a second unit that takes pressure off of SGA and Josh Giddy and, and is able to help them lead that team from the guard possession and help you battle the attritions of an NBA season. It's a long marathon and is a guy that, like, yeah, he never starts like in terms of like a true in-bold written starter, but he is vital and has these amazing moments in the postseason that you do not win that game/slash series without a player like Kobe Bufkin, he can be that kind of player. So uh, I think that that's his ceiling. And of course that would mean that in his rookie season, he'd still be on the bench. Uh, what I think that this does more immediate is Trey man, like would have to really earn his minutes. Like if you do draft Kobe Bufkin, that is a signal that like, w- you know, we think that he's better than Trey man, and can fill that role better to where Trey Mann would need to be really good in the preseason and really good in the minutes that he gets in the NBA season uh, right from the get-go to earn some more minutes and and earn some more opportunity. So that battle would be awesome, and that is what Sam and Mark have talked about nonstop since they've been together in this rebuild of we want to get to a point where 1 through 17 you're competing and you're wanting to be here and wanting to survive uh, this rebuild and be on the other side of it because not everyone will be. And we want that internal competition, and certainly Bufkin would bring that to Trey Mann. The Thunder should take Kobe Bufkin because he's a really good player. He's a really good player, and I, and I feel confident that he has some of the highest you know, floor in this draft and in this range. The Thunder you know, opposition to taking him would be that they just want a, a better swing with this pick at 12, want a better swing at a more um, high-ceiling player. But again, I think that that times I can get you in trouble whenever you overthink things a little bit. But I like Bufkin. I hope that Andrew Schlecht will, will um, approve me as a Bufkin boy. I like Kobe Bufkin a lot, but we'll see what happens come draft night. Let me know what you think of Kobe Bufkin. Let me know what you think of this trade between the Thunder and the Denver Nuggets. All below on YouTube and on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. We'll be back tomorrow. With another NBA Draft profile, who do you want it to be on? Comment on YouTube and on Twitter at Ryland_Styles. underscore Styles. And until then, be good. and Be good to one another. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.